This is the 99 Black Podcast. Hey, this is Wes, and welcome to our Two Protestants and a Catholic episode. We recently had the opportunity to interview Tom Knight, who is our Catholic friend. Uh, we learned all about his faith journey from Episcopalian to Catholicism, and we also got a lot of clarity on what Catholics believe pertaining to several different topics. Um, one thing that we did not want to do on this episode was debate. There is plenty that we disagree on, but what we wanted to do was learn and get clarity on what it is that Catholics believe and learn more about Tom and his faith journey. So we hope that you enjoy this episode with Tom Knight, our Catholic friend. I've been listening to y'all from the beginning because, like, oh, we, wow. we, we started, uh, you know, we started following each other just because we were talking about fitness yeah. at uh, at work, and then I see, oh, I'm starting a Christian podcast. Okay, let me, let me check this out. Me, mm. uh, I'll I'll see what you got to say. And you know, first episode right out of the bat, you know, you very clearly insisted that you know Catholics are Christians. You know, don't go down that rabbit hole. Of, yeah, there's there's something else, um, which I definitely appreciate. And then as as we went on, I mean, about the most um, about the most difference that I would see is. I would come to things of like, okay, yeah, you're right about that, but let's go a little farther. It's also mm-hmm. got this. you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, and we'll, uh, you know, one of the the biggest things is a lot, you know, that comes up is, you know, works. Catholics do not believe that we work to uh, that we work and then prove ourselves yeah. good enough to get salvation that's uh pelagianism that's Mm -hmm. a defined heresy yeah um but the best way i heard it recently i've been listening to the catechism in a year with uh father mike smits and um he and he said um we're saved by grace through faith Mm -hmm. working its way out in love so grace is a free gift we have to trust in that and accept it. And then what we do is both how the Holy Spirit is changing us because Mm -hmm. God doesn't ever change. That's one of the principles of divine simplicity. God is timeless. God doesn't change over that. Old Testament, New Testament, same God. Mm -hmm. But we have to change. We need time to change. Mm -hmm. We need to change our habits and we need, and we need to work with them, with him to change our habits and accept the corrections that he's giving us. And that's kind of more like how we, how we view that. Yeah. Well, so it's not, I, I don't see it as just the proof, but also the method that God is, is working on us and changing us and saving us. Well, I'll throw an intro on the beginning of this, but I think that's a great place to get started. I mean, we'll yeah. jump right in. So you said that uh, you were first talking to Connor at the at the gym, and that's kind of where I wanted to start with you. Uh, I'll have an introduction before the episode, but 
Tom Knight, you're a <laughs> muscle man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've seen some of your stuff on social media about you doing um, some weightlifting competitions recently. And yeah, Would it be in the category of powerlifting? It's it's powerlifting. So, like, uh, weightlifting it proper is um, an Olympic sport, um, clean and jerk, and the snatch. Um, whereas powerlifting, we do the three main lifts, um, squat, or back squat, bench, and deadlift. And you're super strong. That's all yeah, I Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what you did during the competition uh, for for the person that knows nothing about it. So speak as dumb it down for somebody like me. As much. I mean, I have been working out every day this week, so... I mean, you, I like you probably you can't tell under in. this hoodie, yeah. but, <laughs> uh, but you know, for us that aren't really maybe familiar with the powerlifting and stuff like that, kind of dumb it down and tell us what you did and how you did you place and yeah, how it went so, for you. Um, in, in powerlifting, there's different weight classes because obviously if somebody is way bigger, they should be able to move more weight and that kind of puts people in similar uh, it, in, in some ways, um, you know, m- more similar competition. But there is also age categories. So I'm 37, so I'm in Submaster. Um, I weigh in for the 75-kilo class, so that's between about 149 and I think the top end's uh, 165.2 in, um, in pounds. So day before, I have to weigh in below 165.2 mm-hmm. and then next day go and lift there's some feds that do it you know day of i like it fairly easy for me and i can do dehydration protocols fairly well so it's beneficial for me to have a longer time to recover more water and more glycogen stores over that full day how much did you have to cut I cut 18 pounds 18 over 10 pounds. Holy cow, man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I So, like, trash in. bag on you in the whole nine? Or? That would be a very poor way of doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, so, it's, you know, cutting carbs. It's sodium manipulation. Um, that basically tricks the kidneys to release more water and then cascade of water out of cellular stores into the blood and then in uh in through sweating and through um through urine output and then the day the night before i got in the sauna and did four sessions of sauna the night before and then did three in the morning Mm. That was that was pretty rough. So we'll end up talking about the rosary. I see that on there. Yeah. But um, the rosary takes about 20 minutes, so I counted that on my fingers and uh, did did those because that's about 20 minutes, and I can't count it on my phone, and how am I going to <laughs> yeah. keep, both keep the time and keep myself from going crazy? Yeah. Then um, I weighed in 163.8 and started – drinking a bunch of water, eating a bunch of cereal and <laughs> I <laughs> put on I put on 18 pounds wow. over the day. Um well, I eat cereal then, like that too and I might be putting on <laughs> I put on 18 uh, pounds. Yeah. I, I I mean diff- different uh, yeah. you know yeah. different scenarios so like my bo- <laughs> my body wanted 
wanted to rebuild glycogen stores and I was not giving it the fuel to do so. And, you know, I hadn't eaten, you know, from Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning and Wednesday, uh, Wednesday weigh in. But that's, that's really rough. And that's where like competition gets far outside of where we would want to be for general health. But if I'm doing everything right over the year, I can accept, yeah. I can accept that risk, but. Can I ask you this, like with, I mean, obviously we just heard the whole science of it and you got it down to a T. Why put yourself through that? What does powerlifting give you? Um, like what does it do? For when, Tom? when I step on question. that platform <laughs> and I get under the bar, I, I, there's, there's just some feeling about it. That's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, like my first meet, you know, I, I got into it of like, I've been working out for three years and it's like, all right, I want to go to a meet that's fairly close, have an objective standard for, did I make the lift properly? And then let me just go have fun. So like at the time, you know, it was, I walked around at a similar weight, but I just didn't eat the night before. So I weighed in a weight class above. I weighed mm. in 82.5, which was what I wanted to, um, cause it was, it was easy and low risk. Got up there. I did my first lift. I got white lights. It moved nicely. Everybody was clapping. It, it was just a great feeling. Mm. And then um, because of COVID, it was it was a little bit after after COVID started opening back up. They had postponed one of the meets that um, one of the uh, world record bench holders that's in South Carolina here, uh, Wayne Von Nostrand. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing his last name right. But he's up in Myrtle Beach right now. But he went and did a bench attempt 50 years old weighed in at 305 and he attempted 624 golly yeah he yeah, almost, i've only, I've he, only he done he that a couple times that. myself <laughs> he, he is absolutely amazing yeah, and I've, yeah. I, I've worked out at his gym before and really nice guy and just the energy of seeing that I, and how i felt when i'm when I made the lifts on that first one, mm-hmm. I was hooked. Well, I also, I know I'm kind of asking questions and it's just because I always like to pick uh, Tom's brain, but so you mentioned the rosary mm-hmm. helping you kind of get through like your mentality, trying to like, cause it takes extreme discipline, especially in powerlifting um, and any like exercise or weight. If you're really taking it seriously, it takes a lot of discipline. You're incorporated, you know, uh, the rosary so, you know, your, your faith comes into play into this. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's important for Christian men to not go to the, the, the serious competitive level that you are at, but just to have a uh, working out weightlifting exercise? Like, is that something that's important? A- absolutely. You know, going to the extreme of co- competing is something you, you don't have to do. It's not for everybody but it's available for those that want to. But as far as taking care of our bodies, eating a decent diet, working out several times a week, that is part of taking care of what God's given us as a gift. Our bodies are a gift, um, and we're supposed to be good stewards of that. Mm -hmm. There's also... um, 
in like uh, in Catholic teaching, we talk about the four cardinal virtues. So there's justice, prudence, temperance, and fortitude. So I thought about how it would affect justice and about what I can come up with is that, you know, when you've got a family, you know, you can't let the gym time take over your family time. Mm -hmm. You've got to figure out how to balance that and be fair because justice is about fairness. And then prudence, prudence is about doing the right thing at the right time. So is it the right time to, you know, go into a fat loss phase? Is it the right time to go into a surplus? Is it the right time to say, Hey, I'm really beat up. I need to take a day off, you know, temperance, you know, if I'm trying to get leaner, then maybe I temper my appetites to not take a really big piece of cake. Yeah. You know, maybe I can take some, but maybe I don't take uh, a real big slice. And fortitude is about doing the right thing even when it's hard. And mm. there's that that really comes into play. Mm -hmm. And we and there are, you know, you could you could pick a dozen or probably way more than that of different scriptural stories. You know, one that pops into my mind is, what is it? Haniel, um, Mishael, and I can't remember the other one, but the Babylonian names of um, Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach and, and Abednego, yeah. like to say to Nebuchadnezzar, God has the power to save us, but even if he doesn't, we will not do what you want us to right. do. We Super will keep powerful. worshiping that while watching this fire being stoked to the point that the people feeding it are dying. Mm. Golly. Yeah, that's how I felt that's when I was point. doing squats this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, squat is absolutely my favorite yeah, by, by far, but I got to watch it right now. So how, how did you place in your competition? So I was right about in the middle for 75 kilo opener um, open category. And there was some really amazing, both young people, but there was also an amazing 40-year-old uh, um, world-class sprinter that's right in New Orleans. Um, I got to talk to him, super nice guy. Um, I think his Instagram's GeForce Green. And, um, yeah, they were, they were putting up some absolutely massive numbers. Um, I ended up making, you know, we get three attempts at each one of the lifts and they have to either they have to go up if you make it or they have to or they can or they can stay the same but they can never go down from when you've made an attempt so i made my first two attempts of each one of the lifts so i ended up missing all of my thirds um so i ended up with 225 kilo squat so it's 496 pounds not um, bad. Not a bad start. <laughs> yeah, um, I mi I missed the uh, I missed the national record attempt at five nineteen. Um, you know, because the current national record for seventy five submaster is uh, two hundred thirty five kilos, so about five eighteen. But and I wanted that one, but I did not quite have it that day. Well, yeah. Hey, that's so, way better than I'm doing. I could tell you that and, much. And I'm sure we could discuss this amongst men for hours oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do want to yeah. i do want to get into your your faith and i mean everyone that's yeah. listening to this episode 
knows that you're Catholic, but I do mm-hmm. want to kind of get a little bit of a brief um, backstory on you. So tell me a little bit about your faith background, uh, maybe how you were raised and before before the Catholic period has begun. Yes, because that's that um, I converted when I was um, 34, which is so, rare. So every person yeah. I've talked to that I said, "Hey, we we know this guy is Catholic. He used to be Protestant. You can tell me exactly or whatever you were." Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. they're like, "Really?" Because most it's people I know Catholics. have gone from Catholic to Protestant. I, mm-hmm. I know no one that's gone the opposite direction. Yeah, except for you. So, <laughs> now, yep. you, tell yep. me about it. So uh, I um, I grew up in the Episcopal Church. Okay. And uh, I was actually baptized by my grandfather, who was a ordained minister of the Reformed Church of America. And then uh, I was baptized as a baby because that was uh, that's our uh, that's our tradition. That's one of the things that the Episcopal Church kept from when they split from uh, the Catholic Church. And then um, I stayed with that, got into choir. Um, they. We would always go to this Episcopal Retreat Center um, every year for, for a retreat. And it's up in the mountains, beautiful area. It's called Shrinemont. They've got a stone shrine that's, uh, I, I, I think it's actually technically the bishop's seat right there um, at that shrine. But there's no roof, and it's just this beautiful stone shrine uh, on the side of a mountain. Wow. And they've got... Um, They've got a, a church camp there, St. George's, that I ended up going to. So, Well, you said like yeah. 34, right? Yeah. So, I mean. Three I'm, years ago, correct? Is my math correct? <laughs> yeah, so that would be three years ago. Or, yeah, th- yeah th- uh, maybe it was 33. It, it, was, uh, it, it was Easter in 2019. Okay. It was, was when I was received into it. Um, in order to join the Catholic Church um, above the age of reason, um, which is what you, you got yeah. around, uh, it's, it's around seven, but like th- this is meant, this class is meant for adults. Um, you have to go through, um, it's now called OCIA. It was called RCIA. So right of Christian initiation for adults. Yeah. And then it was a set of classes all the way through. It starts in actually August and we missed the first, you know, beginning ones. And then, um, gotten the real meat and potatoes ones up through uh easter and everyone was received at easter or baptized if they hadn't been baptized before were you heavily involved in the episcopal church or i was uh i was in the choir for uh ever since i was i joined youth choir probably eight Mm -hmm. and i went to adult choir at 11 because i've been a bass since about then (laughs) is that your family and everything too uh yeah my mom and uh dad sang in the choir and they had gotten me into it my brother sang in the choir for a little bit but he ended up uh lecturing he's still um episcopalian my mom's still episcopalian um we ended up uh um bearing my dad out at uh out at shrine Mont. that that place came came up so many times yeah. in in the whole journey okay so what what's your family's thoughts on this shift to Catholicism? They so like my mom and my dad, they were they they were much more un, understanding, but 
it uh i did run into some some issues that ended up getting resolved with like my in-laws um i remember one of my uncles like getting uh getting pretty upset about uh confession mm-hmm. but he ended up apologizing everything's everything's good with that now and i was just kind of like kind of looking at him funny i was like i you you don't you don't understand what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. We have a we that'll yeah. be in which our light. We have under, a lightning which is round, understa- which is understandable. Yeah, yeah. we have a lightning yeah. round uh, near the yeah. end of the episode. Where we're going to kind of hit you with some of these. Well, yeah. I, I definitely had a question about this because you just mentioned, uh, and I correct me if I'm wrong. It's not out of, uh, I guess it would be out of ignorance a little bit, but <laughs> when it comes to just like understanding the Catholic Church, so you just mentioned uh, at age thirty, what thirty three, thirty four. You had to go to a class that is intended for adults, but it was, what was the term you used for age of reason, age Age of reason. reason. Okay. So you said usually or typically around seven, would you say that in, um, your previous church, was that when you came to know Christ? Is it when you were baptized or was it when you were converting into Catholicism? Um, and I just, St. George is going to come up in that. Um, that would have been about 13, kind of like knowing for sure. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, f- as far as like age of reason stuff and why, um, and baptizing babies, you know, baptizing babies, um, washed away original sin, but that also marks their soul as a Christian permanently. And the Holy Spirit does start acting on them right from that moment. Mm -hmm. And then there's additional baptismal graces that come with confirmation that where that more finishes it. And there's the graces of the Eucharist, which we'll get into. Yeah. So uh, just, and I don't want to be speaking for you. So correct me um, if I'm misunderstanding this, but you're saying since baptism, baptismal um, or baptism as a baby, Holy Spirit's working within you. You're mm-hmm. saying like the sort of veil being pulled away would be around 13 when you knew this is Christ. And is that, am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Cause at that time, and I think it's fairly normal for teenagers to kind of go, go through a, I didn't go through a completely agnostic phase or anything like that. It was just kind of a, I, I keep doing this, but mm-hmm. you know, how, how do I know? Like, this seems good, this seems right, but how do I really know? So we're at, we're out at St. George's camp. I'm about 14. Um, I'm dating this girl, which that's probably too early. Um, and, <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yes. There was a yes. law, there's, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, dude, I, I, I have... I, I've been trying to follow the Holy Spirit. I've been really bad at it <laughs> throughout a lot of times of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had, she was definitely a bit troubled. And I was out at St. George's, and I had told her before I left, I was like, hey, go on for two weeks. You know, I won't be able to message you or anything like that. You know, I'll, I'll talk to you when I get back. So we're out there and we're talking about why we should pray for one another and things like that. So I just say a quick prayer of like, hey, God, you know, please watch out for her. Don't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. Get back home. Call her up. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I, I, I need to talk to you about something. I was like, okay. So 
I went to the lake and I started swimming and I dove down farther than I knew that I could get back up. And suddenly I heard a voice call out of turn back and I made it just to the top. And I don't know how I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, message received God. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you again. <laughs> but that, that like really kind of shocked me and, um, really said, okay, I, Christianity is true and I've just got to figure out how to, how to walk this right. path. Correctly. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I want to, I do want to go back a little bit because we don't understand kind of the, you know, I'm non-denominational Baptist leaning, you know? So the, you said the baby baptism is washing of original sin. Mm-hmm. And then what was the next thing you said about, Went into marking the the Holy Spirit marks us as Christians, um, and a lot of times the uh, the analogy is used is is actually the the flood itself is a prophecy of baptism mm. because it is that powerful at washing away sins, and also God will only do it once. Okay, mm. that sounds a lot. I mean, I know so I know within Catholicism, there's not. Calvinism, <laughs> but yeah. the, that sounds a lot like the, uh, the you know. Are you Calvin- familiar with Calvinism y- or anything like that? I'm, I'm familiar with it. So and you, the you, biggest problem I have is the denial of free will. Yeah. Okay, like so, that is that that is just so that's where we. So would you say horrendous? It, so would you say the mind. free will of the parents baptizing the baby? has, like, this ultimate implication for the child's salvation? Is that what's being said? Well, I think they're, uh, I think what I would actually point to is the faith of others. So, like, the the man who had to be um, brought down through the, through the window to Jesus, your, your friend's faith has made you well. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's what's pointed to a lot. Okay. As far as, like, how long Christians have been doing it, it talks in Acts about how whole families were baptized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whole families are going to include babies. Yeah, I remember. As well. Yeah, I yeah. remember. There's the the one I can't. The guy he believed, and then his whole family got baptized yeah. right after that. Yeah, I do believe that. Uh, yeah. I remember that. All right, so that's all very. And my brain is trying to process a lot of what you're saying because, um, you know, I, I have my beliefs right, and then it they don't necessarily intersect with so many of the details, but we're just trying to navigate that. And yeah. I think it's, that's why we wanted to have you on because I'm all about learning. I'm all about understanding. You can't, I'm like, you can't formulate a position on something if you yeah. don't know what all the positions really and, are. Yeah, and I definitely think that's, we're, you know, theology. It's yeah. something that's meant to unite believers. And, mm-hmm. it, and, and a lot of times it actually because people are messy and it's it's our uh, own doing, we 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 cause division, right? And so mm-hmm. we've we talked pr- like privately, um, mm-hmm. you know, at work and stuff, and we're like, man, like we find a lot of common ground on a lot of things that you know. I was always told that Catholics don't like Protestants, Protestants don't like Catholics, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, actually, we're just discussing scripture, and it's like, I, okay, like I I I find my you know just like. Just like there, there are, you know, we hear from, you know, online rabble rousers that, you know, oh, Catholics aren't Christians. You know, there's definitely some Catholics I've run into. They're like, oh, Protestants aren't Christians. And like, I just immediately 
lose my mind about that because mm-hmm. like you say you're Catholic, you say you uh, agree with the teachings of the church, teachings of the church say these very large number of denominations of Protestants have valid baptisms. Therefore we recognize them as Christians. Mm-hmm. So don't go against that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't deny that. Um, they are baptized Christians, so treat them as such. Yeah. I think a lot of times it's uh, people kind of, um, you know, you, and you see it with anything. It's like uh, I, like I've had friends that were Catholics, and you don't see fruits of the Spirit. I've had friends that are Protestants right now, love them to death. You don't see fruits of the Spirit. So it's not just, a, um, a, a, you know, the big two-split uh, yeah. Catholicism versus Protestants, but it's definitely a... Uh, you just see, like, if you don't see fruit, you don't see fruit. Whatever denomination or whatever you're with, it's like if, if Christ isn't, the Holy Spirit isn't actively working with you, Christ isn't doing Well, that. I think that's the perfect segue to this question is, you know, you were obviously drawn to the Catholic Church um, over the Episcopalian. So what what's the biggest reason or reasons that you were drawn to the Catholic Church over the Episcopal Church? Well, the first domino to fall of the, oh, those Catholics are crazy kind of wall that I had built up in my mind from what I had been told over the years was when I found out and then went and looked up the catechism reference of what actually what papal infallibility actually meant and the actual limits of it and it was way more limited than I was ever told and I was like and it was only in a couple of cases too so I was like hmm that is completely different than what I've been hearing Mm -hmm. and you know his teaching is supposed to back up the local bishops teaching because the bishop of the area is responsible for the people you know the the souls of those of the people of that area Mm -hmm. technically everyone out even outside of the catholic church Mm. is, is is how they view it okay so um but it's about backing up those bishops' authority and being protected from error from the Holy by the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean that he can't say it in a way that's hard to understand. It could be poorly timed and other things like that. But you know, when you know the Catholic Church defines a dogma and says this is in you know, then, all right, they've gone through, all the bishops have gone together, they've done an ecumenical council, and now the Pope is then speaking from the chair of Peter. Now we've gone through all of those steps, and we've got the scripture reference of Jesus saying that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that, that, that seems a whole lot more limited and a whole lot more understandable than anything that the Pope says we have to believe, which wouldn't be true. Uh, so you said that, that that was the first domino. Yeah, and right. then once I got to transubstantiation and understanding that, mm-hmm. then and understanding, and then I went and looked up what the Episcopal position of it was and found out that the Episcopal position was real presence, a, a more generalized term they don't actually deny uh transubstantiation okay anymore they they used to require denial of it but um they don't they don't require they required the denial of it 
Yes, back in back when they first switched over. Okay, um, but they don't. The the Episcopal Church now doesn't. It, mm. They just say we believe in real presence and leave it at that. Well, even Episcopalian is very different than what yeah, we're used to. Right, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, and as far, at least as far as the um, the the way that the worship is conducted, mm-hmm. because the way that the worship is conducted is much closer to Catholic as far as the structure of, right. of the service. The liturgy but and all that stuff. When I grew up, you just jump pews and people just run around screaming. You never yeah. knew what was going to happen. So it was a pretty wild time compared to what you're used to. <laughs> I, I, I mean, in, in the Orthodox churches, they don't even have pews. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, and, you know, one of the nice things there for families is like one of the kids get gets to acting up, you can carry them around and look at all the, all the pictures and teach them <laughs> without them having to read all the story of salvation from the pictures on the wall. Mm. Um, but, you know, when I found out about the real presence from the Episcopal Church, it's like, why in 30 years have I never heard this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That seems like the biggest giant piece of the puzzle. And like everything that I should focus on, why have I never heard this in any sermon when I've been going reasonably consistently all my life uh, i'm just i'm completely shocked by that and then i think back to you know being in fourth grade of the priest at a catholic church when i went to um it was a older sibling of a of a friend's funeral you know where the where the priest said you know i understand that we've got a mixed service just to understand that if you are not Catholic, you may not come up and receive the Eucharist, mm-hmm. mm. which, you know, at the time, yeah, that was very painful to hear. I didn't understand that. And, you know, the way that Catholics view it is, it, that, that's it's because, more of a protection that's of because, the person. Because they don't understand the, the way the Catholic Church is looking at it. That person is not understanding the transubstantiation part yeah. of it like the real you know they don't understand that that's really jesus there mm-hmm. and they don't and they connect that to like paul's warning of whoever doesn't will um cast judgment on their souls you're right okay so all right so you know was the so the actual transition from episcopal church to catholic was it like a major event in your life or was it just kind of like you know, I've been looking at, I've been studying these things. I've been drawn to, you know, the the clearer teach. It sounds to me like when you talk about it, the church was providing you more detailed answers to the questions that you had. And so, was it just like I've been looking at this stuff, and now you know I'm I'm switching yeah, over to this? Yeah, I, I was, um, you know, listening through a lecture series from um, a group of Catholics. Um, and they're a little bit out there. Um, they do have some errors in them, but that's, uh, um, they're, uh, it's Catholicism.org. But problem with them is they come from um, a group of what are called Phineas, and they actually deny some of the teachings of baptism, mm-hmm. and they go way too hard on um, the teaching of um, extra ecclesium nullis salis outside the church, there is no salvation. Okay. So, like the Catholic position is because Jesus instituted the church, that all all graces flow from that out into the world. 
but then Father Feeney tried to deny that it went out to the Protestants when they went there, and that wouldn't make any sense because we see the Holy Spirit working within Protestant churches. Mm-hmm. We want reunification, but he went too far, and and teaching too far is uh, is a really big problem. And he also ended up denying um, the the other two forms of baptism, which is called baptism of desire and baptism by blood. So say if somebody wanted to be baptized and they're driving to the church, they get in a car accident and tragically they pass away. Mm-hmm. Them wanting to go there and cooperate, you know, we we take from the position that God is subsistent mercy mm. and subsistent justice that he would then apply the graces of baptism to that person. And, you know, it's very in within the, um, within the, the transition, you know, if, you know, you get fairly close to it, they, they had to deal with this of like, Hey, if we've got a catechumen who's very close to it, and they pass away before Easter, before they're officially received. Can we give them a Catholic funeral? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, same thing with like um, you know babies that were um, that are stillborn or right. other things. Yeah. Same, same thing. Like there's you know limbo and things like that were were theological speculation. They're not in the official teachings. Um, which that's another fun thing about <laughs> theology is is like stepping outside the bounds of all right we're required to believe this stuff where what can we kind of infer of what is probable over here um unfortunately people take that a little bit too far yes, sometimes yeah so you know you've talked a little bit about um kind of where the protestants and catholics come together my my question originally was going to be like are Protestants and Catholics at, at odds? And I think earlier you said that not necessarily, but there obviously are places where they are at odds. And I just wanted to know from you, like what do you think are the biggest places that Protestants and Catholics are at odds with each other? Mm. Well, I mean, a lot of times there's just simply a misunderstanding of what our beliefs even are. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them are concretely different like um you know the the folks that say that baptism is only a sign of your faith mm-hmm. right and it doesn't actually do anything that's the, that's a big problem in our eyes because we think that you know we don't think that water itself is doing something but jesus told him to follow him and he went into the jordan river to be baptized not because he needed to be baptized, but because he was instituting that sacrament and he had to make the waters of baptism holy. Okay. So then, just like in there, you know, we view the Holy Spirit coming down, marking us, and God the Father saying, this is our son because we're adopted children of Christ after baptism. Well... That this might not be really on the topic of that, but just the way you, when you mentioned the Holy Spirit and everything, I grew up Pentecostal where the Holy Spirit's like, uh, I don't know, they they just everything. everything is the Holy Spirit. I'm not even everything. exactly sure, and they a lot of stuff goes on. And what do, do you? You might not even know the answer to this, but like, uh, is our Catholic cessationist when it comes to like 
healings, speaking in tongues? Or, uh, or definitely not. No, like you, you're going to ask about the saints uh, later, and one of the proofs of one of the things that you have to go through in canonization is proving that there is some miraculous thing happened because someone asked for their intercession. Mm-hmm. So a very common thing would be miraculous healings. Mm-hmm. So doctors say, hey, there's no way that this person should have gotten better from this disease, yet they did. Yeah. Okay, they'll, they'll accept that as evidence of this person is actually in heaven. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I definitely have seen just through like YouTube and stuff like that, you know, the healing side of it has been a kind of a, a predominant uh, thing that I've seen. Uh, something like people speaking in unknown tongues or anything. Have, have you ever seen anything like that in the Catholic Church? There's a Catholic charismatic group, uh, movement, but I'm not particularly familiar yeah. with it. I, I haven't run into it. Um, I, don't, I don't really know much about them i know i know they exist is about, is about it yeah um and there's no denial of like speaking in tongues or anything like that i'm sure a there's Catholic. a denial of or being misused which but i even there, say that there, there, there's definitely a lot of misuse <laughs> lot of, of misuse. it yes but, but like it is a, it possible and i mean god did it one yeah. at least once so yeah. um you know there's that um and i know this isn't like a stance that you're like this is the hill I'm willing to die yeah. on, but it's just like, um, like the spirit, like what is listed in scripture as the spiritual gifts. There's no denial of that. Right. But what the, the, what you're seeing publicly, it's like, okay, that like we just admitted in the Protestant side, it's like, um, you know, from Baptist to Pentecostal it's like, sometimes we see the Pentecostals and we're like, all right, that seems like that is being misrepresented and misused and yep. potentially, um, by someone's doing, try causing a distraction. And so, is that, you know, you get the question is, is that the Holy Spirit actually, um, you know, giving that gift or is that person trying to it's give trying it to manufacture something? Which you hey, see it in scripture, people casting out demons in Jesus' name. Yeah, even the demons are like, oh, we don't yeah, know. Yeah, we don't know who you are. <laughs> I, I, I remember what I was going to say, say about that. It's, it's, it's important to note that, um, that, it's, that we consider the time of public uh, revelation to have ended, but... There's, we don't deny that there's still private revelation, but private revelation is not considered binding to, to anyone. Gotcha. So like, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, like private a- uh, apparitions that I believe are correct. Well, as, whereas some of them uh, seem very suspect. Yeah. Um, so like our lay of our lady of Cabejo back in the eighties, where she showed up to three, um, I think they were in high school girls um, and foretold the um, Rwandan genocide, and then also gave a offshoot of the rosary that had basically been hidden away in monasteries for hundreds of years to to one of the girls to hey go 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 spread this and and you need to love each other and they didn't quite heed the warning enough and one one of those girls actually uh, passed away in that genocide unfortunately wow. but but two of them were protected some of them by hiding in the church in a closet with a whole bunch of people stacked in the closet while they were looking around and like I believe that one is is genuine that one's been supported by the church whereas there's another one in Bosnia right now that 
a lot of us, it, it has not been fully supported by the church. They've only said that, hey, you can go there as long as you don't think that the church is saying that we support supernatural action here. And a lot of us think that there's some shenanigans there. All right, so... I'm ready for the lightning round. Yeah. Are you ready? So, yeah, I, could, I could pick we'll, Tom's we'll, brain. <laughs> we'll try to do a lightning round because as I think about our audience, which is 99% Protestant and probably 90% Baptist, you know, yeah. leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, these are questions that I was like, you know, questions I've had. I might have an answer, but, uh, you know, I want to hear you know, what you have to say. We, we, you know, I know you don't represent... You're not the Pope. You don't yeah. represent the uh, the Catholic Church as a whole. But, um, you know, you're the only Catholic guy I get to talk to. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you. So the first question is, I is the it. most popular? I got to ask it. Go this ahead. This is me. Because <laughs> I've asked Tom personally uh, in private before at work. And um, so you got to tell me, man, do you worship Mary? Do you all worship we, Mary? We, we do not worship Mary. So um, And the saints but also. But. It, yeah. So there's... But there, but remember that everything that we say about Mary is because of what it says about Jesus. So when we say Mary is the mother of God, mm-hmm. we are saying Jesus is God, right? It's fully God, fully man, and that's actually how that one came about. Because back in eh, it would have been in the mid four hundreds was when that was going on, and then same thing with. Um, Queen of Heaven, that comes from Revelation, but also from, you know, we talked about that at work of, you know, you look back at Kings when David died and, before you know, when David was still king and then when Solomon became king, how Bathsheba entered the palace. And when she entered it, when David w- was there, she bowed down and did obeisance to him when he when she entered Solomon bowed down and did obeisance to her and she sat down at the throne because she is the queen mother so there because the in the Davidic kingdom contrary to what God wanted them to do they had multiple wives mm-hmm. right the queen was the mother of the king who there would be only one of them yeah um, does Mary do, so this is something that I've just seen through videos and I don't, does Mary participate now in the lives of Christians? Like I was saying, it, it's private revelation. So we don't have to believe any particular testimony, but I, I remember you, um, sending me, sending me one of those. And like in that case, it was supporting that man's prayer life. So, all right, is that in line with what God would want? Would he want us to pray every day? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, it's not teaching anything contrary. Could she do that? Yes. Could it be just some sense memory that he's remembering from, like, the images of Our Lady of Guadalupe with, with the roses and all of that? Maybe. Yeah. But I don't really have a good reason yeah. to doubt him either because mm-hmm. it's not doing anything that seems to be wrong yeah um but it's still in that private revelation i got you you know so one last question on the topic hail marys 
Mm-hmm. I've heard it before. I've what is it? it? What is a Hail Mary? Hail Mary. And what? Not, I mean, only Hail Mary I knew growing up was press triangle on <laughs> PlayStation 2. <laughs> that threw it all the way down the field. But uh, a Hail Mary, I've heard uh, Catholics refer to um, like Mary wants nothing more for us to be in relationship with Jesus. Uh, and so in that, uh, you know, ha- pray a Hail Mary. Uh, or we pray a couple of Hail Marys, and I don't know what yeah, that is. Yeah, explain a little bit about what that is. Uh, all right, so the Hail Mary prayer, it's it's about 20 seconds. So, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the end of our, uh, at, at the time of our death, or at the hour of our death. A lot of those words should be very familiar because they're directly out of Luke 1 and... Hail Mary, full of grace. That's right out of Gabriel's um, greeting to her. Mother of my Lord was spoken by Elizabeth, who was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we also get that from just the state, you know, the the statement that Jesus is God, therefore she is mother of God. You know, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Um, I mentioned it. Um, James 5.16. At the end of James 5.16, you know, it's talking about um, confessing our sins to one another. But it also mentions that the fervent prayers of a righteous person are very powerful, which is relevant for confession because the priest actually does, um, does pen- penance for the, conf- uh, for the penitent as well. So, so are the the are the the priest and the saints they're considered more righteous so their prayers well, are I, I'm they there could be there can certainly be bad priests um but we you know the the guarantee of, of confession was through the apostolic succession that started from when Jesus um told Peter and Peter's name changed at that time, which mm-hmm. is another one of those big biblical events of, hey, if a person's name changed, you need to pay attention because they're going to do something great. Mm-hmm. You are, you know, you are the, um, you are Peter, you, uh, the rock, the rock, of the, uh, the rock that I'll build my church on. But also he mentions giving the keys of heaven and what you, you know, and how you can lock and unlock and then after the resurrection, he talks about, um, you know, confession and then what sins you forgive are forgiven and what sins you retain are retained. That, that bit of about the keys needs to go back to Isaiah 22, uh, 20 to 24. So that's talking about where um, Hezekiah is getting ousted but basically a prime minister comes in place but he's in charge of everything in the kingdom and has the authority over everything in the kingdom including even the dishes and plates so the flocks feed my sheep is another part of that why why uh what's the deal with praying to the saints so we are the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is is in is, is indivisible. You know, the eye can't say to the hand, you know, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. We're all part of that. Mm-hmm. And 
through like John 3.16. So, you know, uh, everybody who knows that one, that we have eternal life, we're affirming that they are alive in heaven, and we're asking for them to pray for us as, as those righteous people we know they are because we know that they're in heaven through the proof that we had talked about earlier. Is there any difference from me asking Connor to pray for me versus a saint? And that's just, just that you know the saints in heaven, but I, th- I think it's beneficial to do both. Like we should be praying to, to, for one another. So that's a good point that, that, that knowing that that saint is in heaven, I can understand where you're coming from in that statement. Um, all right. So I know that you, this is another one that we've talked to personally, uh, trans, trans substation. Not um, the trans that is in the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's in the news uh, now, right? This is something um, completely different. Transubstantiation. Yeah, because the the trans that's in the news now is using trans as a um, a, as change, but then they're using cis and getting it from a misuse of of uh, organic chemistry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell um, it what it, what is transubstantiation? Transubstantiation is a is a philosophical term that just literally means change of substance. So the the issue that a lot of people have because we don't teach Aristotelian mes- metaphysics anymore, um, they don't understand what we mean by substance or accident. So like. If I say accident, you're thinking of something that happened by mistake. Car wreck. Yeah, yeah car wreck like or things like that. So in front of us, we've got a table. It's made out of wood. It's brown. If this was painted black, it would still be a table. Mm-hmm. If this was made out of metal, it would still be a table. If it was circular, it would still be a table. If it was rough, you know, if it was slanted even, it would still be a table. We could zest up on it and all so what i'm getting at with that is the things that would change like what this is made out of and the shape and and the color and all that are considered accidents in that sense and then the substance would be it's a table Hmm. so transubstantiation means we're changing the thingness of what this is so the holy spirit comes down and the priest asked the Holy Spirit to come down and change this for, um, um, for us. That that's no longer bread, but everything that we sense about it, because we're sensing the accidents and trying to piece together what this is, everything we sense, if we put it under a microscope, would still say it's bread. But we know through faith that that is Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Gotcha. Okay. I think that's a beautiful explanation because yeah. a lot of people get frustrated. And, and so that was a pretty good one that you uh, talking privately with you. Um, so I got to ask you now, I've heard a lot of Catholics say praying for those in purgatory. Um, and I have always wondered what purgatory is. Do you have a stance on that? I didn't know. It's um, orthodoxy. It, so purgatory is official Catholic um, okay. uh, teaching. Yeah, there is a purgatory. People can go to it. There is a hell. People can go to it. So is um, there a difference between hell and purgatory? Absolutely. Okay. So if somebody goes to purgatory, they will go to heaven. So 
Um, I think the catechism says it in something along the lines of people that uh, die in, in, in God's grace, but it's, it, they're still, um, basically they're still hanging on to things. So like how I was thinking about this, um, I'm going to use you as an example, yeah. like what you, what you just talked, uh, what you t- talked about on, on one of the recent episodes, you talked about how you needed to have your phone on a, uh, on like a child lock. Mm-hmm. You were still, you were still that sin was grabbed had grabbed a hold of you and yeah. hadn't let go yet and you hadn't let go of it yet yet either yeah that's a perfect example of like what that cleansing is is to get rid of that habitual sin you're still holding on mm-hmm. you know so God would, works in an instant, but we take time to change. So that's where purgatory would. That's 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 more what we're dealing with in purgatory, but it's also a, um, a, a an alignment of subsistent justice. Okay. And as far as like scripture goes, it's it, I've never run into it on like any of the official um, Catholic apologetics. Uh, apologetics websites but numbers 12 sticks out to me really big that's where uh moses's uh wife um is ethiopian and she's challenged by miriam and aaron and then god is going to put miriam to death over this and then moses goes and says no i i please forgive them Mm -hmm. And he says, okay, well, you've still done wrong. You still have to suffer the punishment. You've, you're going to get leprosy for seven, seven days. Mm-hmm. So that, that to me really stuck out as, hey, that, that's a pretty good uh, thing of, you know, both God is perfect mercy, but he's also perfect justice. Mm-hmm. And we see in the world that there doesn't seem to be perfect justice here, so it's got to be the that's got to be balanced in some way, but then um, well, let's see here. Yeah, math, uh, and then I wrote down Matthew twelve thirty two. So that would have been where um, Jesus is talking about the, you know, the unforgivable sin against the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But at the very end of it, he mentions that the that there are sins that won't be for or that wouldn't be forgiven in this life or the next. Mm-hmm. So there's also, that's a very common scriptural reference that's, that's used for. Is purgatory clearly stated in our Bible or is that, um, the word certainly is not right, but like is, um, and you know the one of the common things that that's that's pulled up is like Second Maccabees, and that wouldn't be in right. most Protestant Bibles. But you know, you would still have you know Matthew twelve thirty two. Well, one of the we're, we got a couple left. Why? I mean, I know we're supposed to confess our sins. The the Bible talks mm-hmm. about that. But why do Catholics go to a priest for forgiveness and confession, and do they have to? Um, you are required at minimum to go once a year, generally at Lent, and then you're required to receive the Eucharist, um, once during the Easter season. Like that's the minimum. Um, and then we're required to go to mass every, 
every Sunday and then every holy day of obligation, which is there's um, five or six of them. Like All Saints Day would be the next one, I think. Is this like a salvation thing, or this is just a stance it, of the church? So this is this kind of comes down to, you know, we're, we're talking about the body of Christ. The body of Christ is offered to the Father as a, uh, in worship. So he's offering this for the glory. Now it's um, his glorified body in heaven. You know, it's not re-sacrificing Christ. I know that's been said by some, that's not, that's not how we view that. Mm -hmm. Um, But as part of that, you know, one of the things the priest says is um, that my sacrifice, so you're speaking in persona Christi Capitas there, and yours, so as the body of Christ, we are being offered up for the Father's glory at that time too. So that kind of really nails down the, if you are not there and you are just saying to God the Father, I don't feel like glorifying you. I don't feel like offering my life up to you. That's where that, that's where that, that becomes a very serious sin or grave sin, like, you know, of just refusing to go to mass. But as far as the, um, as far as confession goes, I mentioned in persona Christi Capitas. So in the person of Christ, the head. So when I go to a priest for confession, I go through an examination of conscience. What have I done that is bad? And I start to make a list and I go to the priest and say, you know, I'd like confession and here are my sins. I list them out. And it's more of a view of I'm speaking to, I'm confessing to Jesus through that person. But that person, you know, can also say no. And just like we talked about in key, the keys of heaven and all, that's where that line comes from. But it's, it's really about just... I am confessing to Jesus through this person in the way that he designed after the resurrection. Mm. But, you know, when I, you know, he said, oh, I'm, you know, why would you confess to a priest? I was understanding that, you know, his objection, you know, my, my uncle's objection was that he thought that I viewed that that priest had some human power to forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. God has only given him the authority to use that power while he's here. But I'm speaking to Jesus through that person. Okay, yeah. la- last last question that I have before we're going to get one piece of advice from you. Um, but the last lightning round question is, what is the rosary? Um, because <laughs> I kept hearing it from Catholics. I was like, the rosary, mm-hmm. the rosary. I even saw on your social media mm-hmm. uh, something with some beads, and I was like, I don't know what that is. It looks like a, maybe a necklace or something yeah. like that. So yep. uh, tell, tell me, uh, you know, lighten it around, tell me a little bit about the rosary. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I, I put up in my stories uh, four different kinds. But the, but the most common kind is the one – it would have come out around the 1200s to St. Dominic. So the story goes that um, the Virgin Mary appeared to St. Dominic when they're uh, fighting the Albigensians. They're uh, a uh, heretical sect that denied um, 
the good of material reality. So um, that's really concerning because Satan didn't create any bit of matter. He didn't create anything. He can only destroy. He can only mimic. Um, and God created every particle of matter in the entire universe. But he go, he's fighting and things are not going so well. And Our Lady appeared to him and said, Here, here's what you do. There was a, um, a current devotion of just saying 150 Hail Marys on a string of beads in honor of, say, of the 150 Psalms. Is this a personal revelation? or This is, this, this is personal, uh, uh, yeah, private revelation. Okay. So it's... Private revelation, I, it, yeah. like, backed by the church? Yeah, so like it's it's in his like it's in his canonization and all of that. Mm-hmm. I, I there there's at least something to there and there, uh, but um, this is the story of like how it how it came about. But they had they were praying 150 hail uh, hail Marys for the for the 150 Psalms because at the time there was no printing press. They couldn't buy a Bible for 20 bucks on Amazon, and they wanted to do something to to honor their faith all all the time. Pray, you know, pray without ceasing. So she asked him to modify it. So it still ends up being 150 total, but it's broken up into what are called decades. So uh, sets of ten Hail Marys, and then you're supposed to pray and meditate on these different parts of Jesus' life. So there were 15 that were originally given to uh, St. Dominic, and then five that um, the Luminous Mysteries that um, St. Pope John Paul II um, discovered. So first one would be uh, the Annunciation, where where Mary said, you know, yes to Jesus. The Visitation to Elizabeth, where John the Baptist recognized uh, Jesus and leapt in Elizabeth's womb, and Elizabeth said that you are the mother of my Lord. And then um, um, the third one would be the birth of Jesus. The fourth one would be um, the um, presentation of the temple with uh, Simeon. Then... Uh, finding him in the temple at 12. Then when you go through the sorrowful, it's it's all through the passion. So um, praying in, in Gethsemane uh, where he um, had tears of blood, um, scourging at the pillar, the crown of thorns, the um, carrying the cross and dying on the cross, and then Lumina, or the... Um, glorious it's it's all about the resurrection so the resurrection the ascension of jesus under his own power um pentecost where the holy spirit really ignites and unifies the church there and then these are two marian things um the assumption of mary so that is where under god's power we believe that um that Mary was taken body and soul up to heaven. 
So she didn't die. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but that's all. That's that's called the Dormition in the uh, in the Orthodox Church. Um, as far as like, if you were to wonder about like how scriptural it is, like this, you know, God did the same thing for Enoch mm-hmm. in Genesis right. five, and then um, same thing for um, Elijah. Elijah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when I kind of hear that, I think it's kind of sounds like. Before Stephen was martyred, he, like, ran through, like, the history of uh, the Jews or whatever mm-hmm. to leading to Jesus. So it almost sounds like uh, it runs through the history and then um, paints out, like, um, a model mm-hmm. of, of prayer to go along with it. Would that be kind of like a, a loose summary of that? How I, w- how I, how I like to view it is uh, because this, the start of it is actually the creed, and then we go to Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. and then we do three Hail Marys, do Glory Be, which is Glory Be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Um, and as we go through the, and then the decades are bookended by our father and glory be. So I think of it more of, I need to know Jesus. Who would I, who, who knows him better than anyone? Just like if I need a present for my wife, I might ask my mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. I am basically saying, I know that I need Jesus. Mary, please take me by the hand and show me your son. And that's that's how I I view the rosary. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, like there's so many aspects that I, you know, I may not agree with or don't fully grip onto, but yeah. there are a lot of things that I like where you kind of have something to hold on to to like teach you as you go. We always talk mm-hmm. about, you know, being equipped. Yeah. Um one thing it looks like that you definitely receive from your Catholic faith is that you probably feel pretty equipped with all the details that are provided in the different doctrines within the church. And so that kind of leads to, uh, we talk about being a black sheep of culture. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I think Tom, I'm, I'm glad that you took some time and, uh, to explaining to us today. I think also like God is using you from your Protestant background to your Catholic, uh, being now in the Catholic faith. Like, uh, you talked about unification, like we're brothers in Christ. Uh, we're trying to, have an understanding of Christ and, and, and understand the depths of theology. And so I think that's a, a very valuable thing to have. So, you know, our motto is, uh, being a black sheep of culture, um, being separate from what the world wants us to be, uh, and being in Christ. And so what is one thing if you, uh, for all our listeners, uh, be Catholic or, or Protestant, what is one thing that would make, uh, that you would advise or, uh, if just advice on being a black sheep of culture, what does that mean to you? Um, the way I, the way I view being that black sheep is like I'm still part of that flock, but I'm I'm standing out. It is obvious. There's some obvious differences there that should make people wonder, hey, what's what's different about this one? And you know, one of the things that you know our our church teaches about the laity is that. You know, the priest gives us the sacraments, but we are to go out to the world and just through everything we do in the world is we are bringing the Holy Spirit out to those people so that the Holy Spirit can work on them. Mm-hmm. 
So it's kind of like that flowing down, just, you know, from the church, starting from the church and then the Holy Spirit just kind of flowing outward and that you should, people should see the way you're living, the way the Holy Spirit is present in you mm-hmm. and people like if you're if you're really living out the black sheep of culture, if really being that follower of Christ, um, people will see it. And so if they're not, like then you that's like a a, a wake up sign yeah. that you know it's time it's time to um, switch up the way you've been doing things. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um. Man, thanks so much for being uh, on I've the podcast with us. Yeah. I've I've learned a lot and uh, kind of still taking in some stuff, but it's been very cool to have you here. You're one of our faithful listeners too, so thanks for even supporting us as we're trying to do this, and we're really glad that uh, you could be on with us. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, cool. I've, I've had a great time. Love love what y'all are doing. And yeah, so if, you know, if you like this episode, uh, drop a review. Maybe ask another question, and we can maybe ask Tom some more questions about it. And uh, definitely leave a review for us because that would do us a huge favor. So we'll see you in the next episode, guys.